Yeah, just receive that right now. Come on, stop. Don't look around. Don't be talking back and forth just in this moment. Look at him, like reverence him. Fear the Lord in this moment, seriously. Fear the Lord in this moment. Take reverence. He's worthy. He's due great honor. Wow, we behold you right now. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, I just see him. He's going to come in like a blanket. Just just get lost in him right now. Nothing else matters. Not, not transitioning. Not in the next part of... Like, if we don't meet with him, it really is nothing. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. Yeah. Come, Holy Spirit. Peace now. Yeah. Prepare our hearts right now. Every weed, God, pluck it out. Just come by. Just see the hand of the Lord coming by. Even, even right now, offenses and things you've seen and faced this week, just come by. Pluck them out right now. Yeah. Freedom. Yeah. Yeah, I want to add, just add to even that uh, vision that Jen had of the wounded knee. You, you, you know, to me, it speaks of the, the healing will come when you get on your knees, you know, when you bring it to the Lord, when you yield, when you bow down. Like, it's almost like that wound has actually kept you from kneeling before the Lord. Can you imagine trying to go down on your knees and pray before the Lord with a gaping wound? It actually would prevent you from getting down on your knees and seeking God. But it's that very thing that may seem like pain that will actually bring the healing. I mean, you're like, I can't do I don't know. I'm not, I've done that before, and I didn't see maybe the results. I thought, yeah, but why did you do it before? Did you do it to receive, or did you do it to, to be with him? Was it about you or about him? Yeah. I don't know who that's for, but just yield right now. Come, Holy Spirit. Man, thank you, Lord. Cool. Yeah, thank you, guys. You guys just want to give it up for um, the worship team, for Caleb, Chris, and then how about the presence of the Lord this morning, man? It was just all over the place. Looked good, though. Probably catch some lights. Yep. Thank you. Whoop. Let there be light. Good morning, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Oh, I just got really good. Oh, I just got smoked out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah. 
In his presence is fullness of joy and life forevermore. Mm. The kingdom is, you know, one third joy. <laughs> it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Oh. <laughs> you know, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, uh, they are all drunk in the Holy Ghost. And uh, everybody's like, what's wrong with them? And uh, they're drunk. It's the night. And Peter doesn't come out and deny that they're drunk. You know, he says, we're not drunk as you suppose. It's only the ninth day. And some people will say, well, that ninth hour, that's it. <laughs> See, I'm drunk. Not drunk as you suppose. Uh, but... Uh, you, you, you know, it's funny because a lot of people say that's because, you know, uh, they were speaking in tongues. And so they seem drunk. But, you know, I've been around some foreigners before and they just sound foreign. They don't sound drunk. I mean, it just sounds like another language. It doesn't. Yeah, it sounds like some, you know. And not drunk. Like when you look drunk, you you look drunk, you know. Sorry if that offends, but it's it's plain, it's right there. You know, and then it's great because, you know, right after that, somebody would say, Well, what does that have to do with joy? And like, well, it's funny that you ask. <laughs> <laughs> because on verse fourteen Peter says, or 15, for these are not drunk as you suppose, since it's only, it's not even ninth, it's third hour of the day. But this is that which the prophet Joel spoke about, right? And then he goes on to talk about pouring out a spirit. But if you read on to verse 28, it says, you have made known to me the ways of life. You make me full of joy in your presence. And so they must have been like awfully joyful for him to need to like pluck out this verse to explain what the people were witnessing. You know, he's still exhorting them on what they just saw. The spirit poured out. They're speaking in unknown tongues. They look drunk, you know, and giggles, obviously. And they're like, what? Why? And he's like, don't you know? This is what Joel prophesied would happen. And you're seeing it fulfilled. Oh, and David talked about it too, see? And he plucks it out. You will make me full of joy in your presence. You know? And so I'm telling you, you know, if you're put off by joy, man, you're missing one third of the kingdom. Like, actually... You're denying what makes you strong in Christ. What? The joy of the Lord is our strength. You find a Christian lacking joy, you find a very weak Christian. 
you find somebody full of joy, you'll find a very strong Christian. You know, it's why actually it's you typically it's one of the last things people step into in in their experience with God. It's it's true. Um, you know, I, many of you have heard Sarah's testimony and many others. It just typically now, obviously, God does whatever he wants, but it typically is the last thing it is like for real. Think about it. Most people catch the revelation of righteousness when they get born again. Well, I'm only made right by my relationship with Jesus and what he did on the cross. So I get a revelation of righteousness, right? And I experience that part of the kingdom. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And so you get a revelation of righteousness, most people first. And then you go through some things, you know some trials and tribulations. The Bible talks about it. it says the devil actually comes in and he'll like try to tempt you and test that word. You get tested by the word, you know, and then it talks about the condition of your heart that if your heart is like a stone, that word takes no root and the enemy comes in and he plucks that seed out. Or if you got cares and you love this life, that word gets tested in the thorns and thistles of life. They actually choke out the word of God and it's made void in your life. That's why many people, they see, they receive the word with joy. They receive it and they're grateful for, for uh, righteousness. They're grateful for salvation and they start out going down a right road. But then you're like, how come they didn't finish well? What was the state of their heart? And then you'll see later in life, it's like all of a sudden now they can take the word and the, the word can take root. What changed? Their heart changed. You know, and so if you ever see that, you see God break great breakthrough in somebody's life and then. It goes on for a little while, and then they, they kind of fall off. That's what's happening. It's either a stony heart or, the, or the, the cares of life are choking out the word. But you see, most people, they get that revelation of righteousness. Then they get a revelation of peace because they go through some things, and they have to have it. You know, Anxiety starts coming. The cares of the world try to come and choke that life out. You know, Something happens, and God tests you. You know, I don't know why we don't think it's biblical that God tests us anymore. Maybe it's because of the false grace gospel and, you know, the American dream gospel and that, you know, God only says good things according to man and God only wants to make you healthy, wealthy and blessed and that's it. And I totally believe in that, but I know that God wants you whole more than he wants you healthy. I know that God wants you whole more than he wants you wealthy. And so God really cares about your heart. And he has all these things for us, these promises. All the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. But if you're not living in Christ, it's not yes and amen. You know, it's not like this like blanket, well, I said a, a five-second prayer and now I, every promise is yes and amen. It doesn't work like that. They're possessed in Christ. As we walk and live in Christ, every promise becomes yes and amen. But see, many of us, when we get saved, we begin, we begin to get tested, right? And it's like, oh, and unfortunately, whoever preached the gospel to you, if they did not preach the, the true gospel and they said, hey, sign up and follow Jesus and he'll take all your pain away, he'll make everything better and he'll just bless you and you'll be healthy, wealthy and blessed and everything will be grand and great. And you was like, who wouldn't sign up for that? Sure, sign me up. But you see, that's actually not the gospel of Jesus 
Jesus Christ. And so a lot of people, they put their faith, hope, and trust in that, and then they go out into the world and their experience is entirely different, and then they run. They turn their back. Here's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Come and die. Die to you. Repent from your sins. Like, actually, God isn't okay with how you're living. God does not accept your living. He does not accept it. He loves you, and he accepts your soul and what is in you that was the original image he created that got corrupted in the, gar- in the garden. But understand this. If you are outside of Christ, you are corrupted. You are not all good. You are wicked. You need forgiveness. You're wrong, most likely in just about every way you view life. You are missing it. It proves it that Jesus even had to come and die. If you weren't so wicked, why did it take the spotless lamb's blood? Like, guys, we were evil, wicked, bound for hell and eternal damnation in the lake of fire. But God had mercy on us and humbled himself and left heaven and came and died. Even the death of the cross, which it says cursed is anybody that hangs on a tree. Blessing became a curse so that we could be blessed. And the ultimate blessing is being free from that old life. But I I, want to talk to you this morning real quick and then and there's several messages we're gonna be all over the place but but listen you, if you some of you have been preached the wrong gospel some of you may have believed a false gospel and i don't want to move on this morning without addressing that if the gospel you believed again was come to jesus he'll make everything all better and you'll have this great grand life and have the american dream you believed a lie Actually, what he promises you is if you'll follow him, you'll be hated by everybody, even some of your own family members. Can I tell you the people I know of in this church that I have seen have matured to, the, to, to the, some of the greatest manifestations of the nature and character and power of Christ in this church face persecution in their family? Every single one of them at some point have lost family members for the cross because God's word is true. And it will cost you everything. Well, that doesn't sound fun. Well, at least you don't burn in hell. Okay? So it's a lot, it's a lot better than that. All right? It's a lot better than that. And you, you spend eternity in bliss. Like sometimes I don't think we actually really believe heaven and bliss in Jesus as as good as it really is. Like you got to understand, like the best you've ever felt times a bazillion gazillion. The most present you've ever felt exploding beyond it. Literally, they call it the city of bliss where we will live with him. Ecstasy. There really is no human word to describe it. So it's like... You, it's like eternal damnation, weeping and gnashing of teeth, or bliss forever and ever. Okay? And then there's this bridge between that, you know? There's this bridge between when you come into Christ and when you pass away from this life. Do you know this revelation right here is why many of us actually disobey God when he says don't mourn as the Gentiles do when, our, when, our, when those in Christ die? 
God's been speaking to me about death lately and, and about how we have this just twisted up mentality about it as a believer. And it's because we actually don't believe what he says. We actually have a, we, we say it and we say it cliche, but how many of you know there's something that there's a difference between it coming out of your mouth and you actually having a trust in it? You know, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. To enter into an eternal place where, where, where we see it manifest on the earth in Revelations chapter 22 where he says, I wipe away all the tears. There'll be no more sorrow, no pain. Like to die is to go there with him and enter that already. That's why the apostle Paul is like, listen, it's better for me to die. I long actually to go be with Jesus. And the only reason I'm still breathing isn't for me to better my life, but better yours. Like I don't understand where we twisted up the gospel in America and we started to say, that follow Jesus because he wants to bless your life when the apostle Paul says actually my life would be the best if I would just die but since it isn't for me and I'm not living here for me and what I can get from God but actually what I can pour out into others and God can get a reward and receive an inheritance through my life I'll remain that's the gospel of Jesus Christ that's the true living word it's true it's all in here. I didn't say anything that Jesus did not say. Every part of it. And I'm sorry I'm yet because I'm ferocious at this thing, man. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes, better is the day of death than the day of birth. Why? Because to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. What better is there than the Lord? What better is there? Man, why do we walk around? We're so afraid, many of us. We're so fearful of death. We make terrible choices every day because we're so afraid of dying or, or, or somebody else dying. How about we be afraid of whether or not they burn in hell and then the lake of fire? Like, like that's the real fear. Because if they know Jesus, they'll be way better off there than here. Paul says, I don't want you to be like the Gentiles. All the, concerning all those who have fallen. He doesn't even call it death, y'all. He says, fallen asleep in the Lord. He doesn't even call it death. He says, falling asleep in the Lord. I don't want you to be like the Gentiles. Morning, like they do. I mean, I'm going to touch it this morning. Is that all right? Real quick. I'm going to preach, and then I'm going to go prophetic, and it'll be ooey gooey, I think. So, But I'm going to preach real quick, and I'm going to touch this idol in the church, okay? Okay? How selfish are we to be upset that somebody in Christ passes away and goes on and be with the Lord. Would I miss them? Yeah. Okay. But think about where they are. And I get it. It's a very real emotion. And nobody's rebuking anybody for we mourn with those who mourn. We weep with those who weep. But Paul straight up said, hey, we don't mourn like they mourn. Like we have no hope. Do you believe you're going to rise from the dead or do you not? Do you believe that Jesus gave you eternal life or do you not? Which one is it? Because I don't think that we can stand on the fence anymore. 
Because I really believe the days are coming where we will see loved ones die for the cross of Jesus Christ. I mean, how how can, but like I'm literally reading through Acts. I read the Holy Ghost tricked me and I read through the whole book, almost the whole book of Acts yesterday. And I started this, this thing and I was like going to read the Bible twice in a year. And it had this like reading plan to like read it in the six months. And I read it and it said, read Psalms one through six. And then it said, read Acts one through 26. And I started reading reading and I read all the Psalms and then it took me like three and a half, four hours. And then I read Acts 1 all the way through 26. And I started looking. I said, there's only 28 chapters in Acts. Why would they have me read this far and not finish it? So I went back and I looked at the instructions again. It was Psalms chapter 1, verse 1 through 6. Acts chapter 1, verse 1 through 26. I was supposed to read 26 verses, not 26 chapters. And the Holy Ghost snuck me. I was feeling full of the word, though. I was like, yeah, I just got four hours with the Lord, full of faith. You know, I'm like, yeah, Jesus. But I'm reading this, and constantly Paul is like, we need to go travel back around. They're all suffering trials and tribulations. They're actually being persecuted. They're being hated. Like, you know when Paul would leave a town is when the Jews tried to kill him, and that's when he knew it was time to go. Like, I kept seeing this, like, repeated thing, you know, and Paul would stay in the town, and he would preach the gospel until the Jews were so mad they had pitchforks, and he's like, gotta go, you know? He's like, then I knew it was time to move on, you know? But then he'd come back around, because guess what? He left the church there, you know? So he left the church there. They got mad at him. All the anger was on him, and he left, and the church is still there enduring, you know? And he comes back around, and he, he wants to strengthen them. And remind them of their hope that, listen, we're passing through. Somebody needs to hear that this morning. We're, we're just passing through this life. You know, we're sojourners. You want to see a picture of it in the Bible? Just go read about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They never landed in a land. They just kind of traveled around. They just kind of, they try to, and then a later generation entered through into the promised land. It was the same with the apostles. They traveled around, not, not of this world, right, until the day that we pass over into the next life. you got to see that prophetic picture of crossing over the Jordan. you got to see that prophetic picture of crossing the Red Sea, which the Bible says is a picture of baptism. That literally when you go under that water and you come out of it, that was your, your watery grave, and then you come out of it into new life. Listen, that means you're never going to die. That's why I can laugh in the face of death. You want to kill me? Bless me, please. Bless me. Go ahead. Kill me. Bless me. Like you don't understand, I long to see his face. You'll do me a favor. Please write me a check. Let's go. I would gladly cash that one, you know, or my loved ones like, man, if they know Jesus, like, man, I've been, my grandmother's getting older and like, you know, those are questions in my mind and, you know, her health and stuff like that. And she was like my second mom, but golly, she knows Jesus. And every time I call her, her health is failing more and more. And like, I pray healing and I encourage her in this life and I believe all that. But I also know, listen, the moment she passes from this life, she enters glory, bliss. You know, I don't know if you guys know this, but Caleb lost his, his, his grandfather what, 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 on what day? It was Christmas Day. Christmas Day. And as soon as we talked, he's like, dude, he's in heaven. I'm like, he is. 
I'm like, you know how drunk he is right now? <laughs> you know how blissed he is right now? You know? So again, all that ties back into we get these trials and we learn peace. We get anxiety about death. We get anxiety about our bills. We get anxiety about all these things that mean nothing. They mean nothing. What do you mean they mean nothing? This life is but a vapor. <laughs> Forever and ever with him. It's, I think it's great when God meets financial needs. I think it's great when God comes through and, and heals our body and we taste heaven now. That's why he said pray like this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But what you got to realize is even when Peter and John walk up to the man at the gate called Beautiful and they say, silver and gold I have not, but what I have I give you in the name of my Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Stand up and walk. What are they giving him? They're giving him the eternal realm, that heavenly realm, the kingdom of God that's within them. There, you're, you, when you taste now, the Bible calls the Holy Spirit a down payment of your inheritance. What inheritance? Your eternal inheritance in Christ. When you taste the things of God now, man, listen, this whole thing, this will flip upside down how you even think about coming into church. And, acts, and, and, and worshiping and lifting your hands and engaging during the service and getting ministered to by the Holy Spirit. Do you understand that in that moment you're stepping into an eternal reality? That's an eternal reality that we'll be experiencing that forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And this is where it's, you start to then enter into joy. And it begins to be your strength. What joy? Return to me the joy of my salvation. You've got to understand that you were saved from something. You needed saving. We needed saving, not, not just from the minuscule woes and worries of this life, but from an eternity of torment and torture where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth, where the fire never goes out, the canker worm eats at the soul. We were saved from that. We were saved from our sinful ways. Couldn't help but sin. Now can't help but be righteous if I believe. Man, what a Savior. Boy, if that don't make you smile, man, what are you doing? Do you really believe it then? Like, he saved me. He pulled me from the fire and he embraced me and he loves me. And he washed me. I had a record a mile long and it's gone. Hallelujah, I only ever got caught for like two things I did. Mercy. <laughs> I should be under the jail. But he accept me and he washed me and he cleansed me and he filled me. And not only that, he says, now you're my temple and I want to live in you. What? I'm but dust and you want to live in this? Oh, oh, Jesus, man, and then you give me everything.
You give me streets of gold. That's how I can have nothing and be rich. I'm the richest person in the planet right now. I'm the wealthiest person on the planet. And so are you. If you're his son or daughter, you're literally the wealthiest person on the planet right now. Seriously. Your father owns all the cattle on a thousand hills. All the silver and the gold is his. Like, you're super wealthy. You got to understand. Like, they are like, nobody had wealth like Solomon. Uh, not true. You. You have more wealth than Solomon. You say, well, tell that to my bank account. Well, again, vapor. Vapor. <laughs> Gone. Can't take none of that with you. But your inheritance in the riches in the glory in Christ Jesus oh my goodness we're so rich they don't pave our roads with asphalt it's paved with solid gold man huh Jesus they don't lay out the foundations of our homes with concrete it's rubies and emeralds and like that's what it's paved with there's some joy right there if you'll receive it there's some joy right there and then the amazing thing is that he gives us access to access the experience of heaven now you see because in 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 eternity we'll be right with ever for God, forever forever with God righteousness will be at peace forever and ever and ever. That means the stuff now that you have to fight with and remind yourself that you have peace, because anytime you don't have peace, the only reason you don't have peace is because you believed a lie. And you actually allowed something in this, in this temporary realm to affect what is eternal in you. What is greater, that which is temporary or that which is eternal? Which is the more powerful? I know a verse that says greater that he is he who is in me than he who's in the world. There's nothing out here that has power over what's inside me except what I allow. Does that make sense? Man. Then I can access that bliss. And that's why some of us look funny and we start getting drunk and we're like staring. But can I tell you when I get like that, I don't have a care. Like everything is gone. I don't even know where I'm at. I don't even know where I'm at. I've been more high on the Holy Ghost than I ever got high in the world. And I took ecstasy, LSD, all that stuff. I've seen trippier, weirder stuff in the spirit than I ever saw on acid. Okay? That's a counterfeit, man, for what's in Christ. It's a counterfeit. Antidepressant meds, all that stuff. I got, the, I got peace himself. What does anxiety have? I got peace himself. What, can depre what depression can stand before he who is known as the prince of peace? You know? Man, the oil of joy for mourning. The garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. So some of y'all don't understand that. Well, I don't feel like praising. Well, your feelings ain't faith. What do I say? I said your feelings aren't faith. Faith does not require a feeling. 
Faith requires a decision. Actually, when you have faith, you're putting your trust in something that has nothing to do with this world or anything that comes from it carnal. It has to do with him and his faithfulness and his word. And you're saying and decreeing and declaring that God, you are true and everything else is a liar. Man. And I can access that and I can say, nope, you know what? Take all this here. I'm going to praise him even when I don't feel like it. I'm going to stand. I'm going to raise my hands. Why? Because he loves it. It doesn't matter if I don't feel like it. He likes it, and I like him. So I love you. You're worthy to be praised. And then the next thing you know, the very thing you didn't feel like doing is what set you free from what you felt. Man. Man, I said you start doing the very thing you didn't feel like doing, and that very thing is what sets you free from what you felt. Man. Woo! You know? He said this. I will give you a drink of a living waters, and you'll never thirst again. If you're thirsting, it's a lie. If you're not satisfied, it's a lie. The devil is enticing you and tempting you away from the only thing that can satisfy and fill. It's a lie. Don't believe it. You have the every bit of power in you to not believe it. If that ain't true, God's a liar. He said, I will put in your belly rivers of living water that will spring up to eternal life. That means that eternal reality, that eternal life, that righteousness, that peace, that joy, it literally will bubble, bubble, bubble out of you. And some of you are sitting here trying to reach out to a God like he's far away when that God is closer than the skin on your face and he lives inside of you and he dwells in you. Some of you need to quit trying to reach out like we're in the old covenant and God's in Israel in some temple. He doesn't dwell in a temple made by human hands anymore. He dwells in the temples that he made with his own hands. You and I that he sanctified and washed clean in his blood in the washing of the water of the word and then he filled you with this spirit and all you got to do is look in Ooh. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Ooh. and if you don't feel it don't matter spring up a well <laughs> there's a well like an artesian well that bubbles up it's there and it's accessible what in the world is more powerful than the blood of jesus and he says, or his torn flesh, and he says that I, my flesh was torn. The Bible literally says that the side of Christ was pierced by, by a spear and that that is the tearing of the veil that gives us unhindered access now to the Father. What can stop that? What can stop that? The only thing that can stop that is you not believing it. It's the only thing that can stop it. The devil can't stop it. The person that betrays you can't stop it. The government can't stop it. COVID can't stop it. Listen, I'm telling you in 2021, there's going to be an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in this room. But I'm telling you, we're not going to get lost in the outpouring and forget to endure about what's coming. I'm telling you, because it's for a purpose. It's for a purpose. But we have a, a responsibility to think rightly about God. To think rightly about our faith. 
and what we believe. Which Jen said is not merely believing Jesus is Messiah. If all you believe is that Jesus is Messiah, you have the faith level of a demon. I said, if all you believe is that Jesus is Messiah, you have the faith level of a demon. What do you mean? Are you calling us demons? No. I said, you have the faith level of a demon. Why? Because the Bible says that the demons believe he's Lord and tremble. Yeah, he had to rebuke them. Hey, shh. They couldn't help but say, oh, it's the Lord. That's why people can still be full of demons and because who's talking? Anyway, I'll let you catch that on your own. But, uh, yeah. Woo, yeah. Hey, you know, demons don't have faith in you know, the faith level that we're called to have. Why? Because they don't obey what he says. James says the evidence of faith is your works is actually what you do. Like he's, he says, if you actually have faith, he said, I can look at your life and I can see it manifesting by what you believe. If you love me, you will obey me. Somebody, but I love God and God knows my heart, but you just keep doing whatever. You don't love God, and you definitely don't believe he's powerful. You think the world and your flesh is powerful. Your faith is actually in how powerful uh, the enemy is and your flesh is. Huh? What? What? I'm talking to me, too. I'm dead. That's a fact. I'm dead in a, in a, in a baptism tank. But boy, now I'm alive. <laughs> when I say I'm dead, I mean my old flesh is dead. But now there's something in me, man, that's eternal. There's a new life, a new creature. Why would God make you new and leave sin in you? That's another gospel you've believed, some of you. You're always going to struggle. You're all, everybody sins, brother. Who are you? Everybody sins. The Bible actually doesn't say everybody sins. Actually, well, it says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So what it says, what it's talking about, though, is it's not necessarily talking about, because um, he's speaking to Christians. He's not talking about the sin nature. He's talking about not manifesting Jesus. See, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. What is the glory of God? The glory of God is in the face of Jesus. It's the life of Jesus living through you. Sin is anything Jesus wouldn't do. And we all do things that Jesus wouldn't do. This is what it's saying. We all do things that Jesus wouldn't do. But it's not your nature to do that. It's your nature to manifest him. That's, that's what I'm saying. It never once says you have to sin. It says all have sinned. You don't have to. When we say that, we make, we make the blood of Jesus and the power of the Holy Ghost void in our life. Why? Because it, and, and so, does that mean that people that believe that won't get into heaven? No, it doesn't. Because, see, it, 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 it will work in you according to what you believe. It'll work in you according to what you believe. 
If you want to believe that sin will have power over you your whole life, guess what will ha- happen? Sin will have power over you your whole life. But if you want to believe that you can be free and walk free from sin and that you were actually resurrected into new life and the difference is is that you actually are now a saint, you were a sinner and you became a saint, you got born again and you're just a baby that has to grow up. Babies learn things. We've talked about it often. My daughter has no problem being four. I don't know why we think being young in the Lord is something to be frowned upon. Do you need to grow up into Christ? Yes, you do. Me too. I still got a lot to grow in. We all are growing into Christ. But you got to understand something that when you begin to sin and you begin to doubt and you begin to believe the devil and you begin to believe his work in your life, you're putting more faith in that than what God says about you. You can literally shut it down when the devil starts coming. You're always going to be an addict. You're always, it's just too hard to quit doing that. It's just too hard to lay down the bottle. It's just too hard. Whatever your addiction is, I just need, I was talking to, uh, 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 I don't have his permission, so I'm not going to go there. But we were, we were talking, I was talking with somebody recently, and we were talking about like locks on your phones and locks on your computers and things like that. And I'm like, do you have more faith in the lock on the computer than you do in the resurrected Jesus living in you? Like, do you have more faith that you need to like block all that stuff on? on your phone and that's what's going to save you and that the the saving work of Jesus Christ is not powerful enough to free you from that thing is your faith in that device I just spilled it on my water sorry is that is your faith in that device or is your faith in Christ which one you know like I'm talking to me too you know that means I can have Hulu right and if I start, what? that's why people are all like, you know, those in free in Christ, brother, I can't have Hulu. And I'm not saying that you need to go get Hulu. This is not a, a commercial for Hulu. Uh, you know, I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is when the Bible talks about, well, people who are free in Christ, see, see sinners and wicked men and doctrines of men try to twist that and say, well, what that means is you can live free however you want. You know what what verse I'm talking about when the Bible says like, you know, those who can drink wine, they're freer and this and that. And, And we like to think that, oh, they're just free because their conscience doesn't bother them because they have faith that God's blood covers them in their drinking. That's actually not true, though. What's going on is a in the context their wine was extremely more diluted than our was ours was and it was more like grape juice with a little bit of alcohol and you had to drink a whole lot of it not to you had to drink and consume a whole lot of it to get drunk so let's put it in the cultural context first of all second of all what is he saying he's saying that those who have matured in the faith they can have that one glass which by the way was probably this much of what we have now it was just a little bit of what they had and they were done. And they wouldn't, they, they, they couldn't just keep drinking, 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 drinking. So what does that mean? That means that by my faith, I actually believe in the power of the Holy Spirit to shut it down. It actually means that I could start watching a movie, and if something comes in that it grieves the Holy Spirit, that I have the power and self-control to shut it down. Does that make sense? That's mature in Christ. 
Maturing Christ doesn't mean it's a free-for-all now, and I just have faith that the blood of Jesus just covers me, and I'm good. And so I can, I'm just free, and I can live and do whatever I want. That's not what that means. I'm free because I obey. I'm yielded. I'm surrendered. Does that make sense? Cool. What time is it? All right. Right now, let's close our eyes real quick. I just let the evangelist fly, and it's okay. So (laughs) right now, if you believe the false gospel, you know you've heard it. I just touched on it. You know you've heard it. Or you're not sure. You're like, I said a confessing, I confessed with my mouth, um, but I didn't really believe in my heart. And, and, and some of you say, well, I, how do I know? Well, well, I mean, if you weren't presented with the truth, how did you actually believe in your heart? Wait, what? I mean, if you were presented with a false gospel and you put your faith in something that's false, did you actually believe the gospel? How could you? It wasn't the real gospel. This is the gospel. Jesus Christ, spotless lamb of God, the one who through all things were created, left his throne, was born to a virgin named Mary. God himself, so humbled, the most powerful creature in existence, humbled himself to the point he put his life in the hands of a sinful woman. Mary was not perfect. Mary was not divine. Mary had a sin nature. God so humbled him, himself that he put his, himself in the trust of a, of a woman with sin, a sin nature. Man, what an act of humility. Then he lived as the second Adam in the same state in which Adam was born in the garden, not having a sin nature yet able to be temp- tempted. If God was not able to be tempted, the devil wouldn't have wasted his time in the wilderness. Does that make sense? So he, he walks, he willingly, 100% God, 100% man, but willingly walks as the second Adam on the earth, is baptized in water, and then the Holy Spirit descends, and then he begins performing miracles as, as in the state of that Adamic state baptized in the Holy Ghost. He performed miracles. He walked, lived a sinless life, and then he was betrayed, whipped and beaten, scourged, Cat of nine tails, the Bible says that by his stripes you are healed. That the chastisement of your peace was upon him. So many of us, when anxiety comes and depression comes, and this is the gospel, this is really good news, see? Because when anxiety comes and depression comes, and you say, well, I'm just so, I have anxiety, and you receive that anxiety, you're saying that the stripes of Jesus weren't enough. That the chastisement of your peace was not really upon him. And you're putting faith in what the devil's lying to you instead of, the cross of Jesus Christ, the death of Jesus Christ. Then he was taken and he was nailed to a cross. And the Bible says, cursed is any man who hangs on a tree. And they nailed Jesus to this cross. He knew it and he, he, he did it willingly. And everybody say, well, yeah, he was God. Yeah, but uh, I, I would encourage you to go read where that edemic nature in him did not want to go to the cross. He, he, he's crying out in the Garden of Gethsemane. He doesn't want to go. And he's crying out and he's saying, Lord, take this from my hand take this cup from my hand i don't want to do this nevertheless not my will but your will be done and the bible says angels came and they strengthened him they strengthened him then he goes and and dies on the cross he's nailed to this cross and becomes a curse for you and i but what what ends up happening is he curses the curse 
He curses the curse because he was spotless, blemishless, without sin. He who knew no sin became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God in Christ, as long as we remain in Christ. He hangs on a tree, so selfish that he's suffering. And I want you to understand what the crucifixion was like. It wasn't, we, we often see this picture of Jesus stretched out on the cross, but that's not actually what it was like. He was actually hanging on that cross stretched out, but he was, he was bent over, and his ribs were pressing into his lungs. So every time they wanted to breathe, he had to pull on that nail and go, <gasps> and had to pull on that every time he wanted to take a breath. And he's hanging there, not able to breathe, but yet he's still considering the thief on the cross and gives him an invitation into eternal life. This is the God we serve. And then your sins, my sins, and the sins of the whole world came on him, and the Father turned away. And he felt for the first time a disconnection from the Father. And that's why he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because our, he, he experienced in that moment he experienced the separation that sin causes in that moment. He experienced it. And the Bible says that he endured it for the joy set before him, and that was to see you and I enter into this covenant with him. Then he dies, and he so humbles himself. This is life himself. This is life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he dies. And he so humbles himself that he can't even resurrect himself from the dead. The Bible says the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead now dwells in you. The Holy, the Holy Spirit of God raised Christ Jesus from the dead. Then he was seen amongst many. For 40 days he taught about the kingdom in his resurrected state. And I know a lot of times we picture Jesus all perfect and shiny and but you got to understand, he is perfection. But understand that perfection is scarred for you and I for eternity. The holes are still in his hands and in his feet. Forever and ever he's been scarred. Forever and ever he bears those marks. The, the hole in his side and the holes in his hands and his feet are still there. Forever and ever. <laughs> the express image of God scarred forever for you and I. That's love, man. Then he ascends to sit at the right hand of the Father, where right now he's looking at this room. He's literally looking right in here, right now at your hearts. He's watching. He's watching. And the Bible says that the day is coming when he's going to return and he's going to judge the whole earth. And if you believe this, you believe this, that he said, repent from your sins. Don't do them anymore. Turn from them. Cling to me. Put your faith in me and be born again. And he commands you to be baptized in water. If you believe that, if you put your hope, trust, and faith in that, not only is him saving you from the fire, but that he's actually the soon coming king, that he is the Lord of lords and the king of kings, and that what he decre decrees from his mouth is law. You have to understand that about a king. That what a if you I, I I take you back to the Old Testament right now that that even with Daniel when the king de demanded it although he wanted to take it back if it came out of the king's mouth it had to be done it became law. Whatever the king says is law. It's the way it is. You say well we're not under the law actually we're under the law of love. The Bible says. 
to love God and love our neighbor. And then we'll, in that, we'll fulfill it. This is the gospel. Die to yourself. Don't worry about you. It ain't about you. It's about living for Christ. It's everything that you do is unto Jesus. Everything that you do is for the king. Every decision you make, every dime that's placed in your hand is given to you as a steward. It does not belong to you. It belongs to your father. Everything that you get, every, every asset, every, every blessing, it's all unto him. Every trial that comes your way is an opportunity to show eternity in your life by not allowing your carnal nature to be manifested. Everything becomes about him. Everything. You die and you get the life of God in you. This is the trade-off. You die to you and Jesus lives in you and through you. Wow. What a trade-off. <laughs> you are bound for eternal judgment in the lake of fire. But if you believe this gospel and you receive it, you will be bound for, ju you're judged already and bound for bliss. What a promise. Hey, this means that I don't have to worry about being right anymore. This means that every argument gets settled right here in this word. Right here. I don't have to worry about being swayed by the media. I don't have to be worried about being swayed by a political party. I die to all that. I don't have to be swayed about being an American. I can have a citizenship here, but my citizenship and my loyalty belongs to the Lamb. So when this nation turns its back on the living God, guess where my loyalties lie? Unto the Lamb. I don't even have to question it. This is the gospel. And right now I want to invite you that if you've not believed that, to put your faith in it. If you've heard a different gospel, put your faith in it. This is the gospel that changes lives. This is the gospel that fills you with the power of Christ and produce fruit in your life. This is the gospel that removes arrogance and pride. This is the gospel that slays lust, that l just lays it to waste. This is the gospel that eradicates all sin and fills us with new life. So, Father, right now we just surrender to you. Let's pray this together. Lord. We put our hope, our faith, and our trust in the true gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Awesome. So some really fun stuff now. Uh, announcements. Um, so we'll be doing baptisms on uh, January uh, 31st. So we'll be doing baptisms on January 31st. And uh, it's going to be glorious. So if you have never been baptized, it is a command. So I, I highly, you know, encourage you to, if you just prayed that prayer, you swore loyalty to Christ to obey him in baptism. If you have never been baptized with the understanding that it is a, a burial grave, that it is not just something that we do to symbolize and make a public declaration of our faith. That's not what it is at all. That's actually completely doctrinally incorrect. It is a prophetic act that has supernatural power in it that when you go down into that water, you die. And when you come out, you resurrected. Real quick, show of hands, uh, how many of you have been baptized with that understanding? Real quick. Yeah. So how many of you would say totally changed your life? Yeah. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. It's part of the sanctification process for sure. 
Uh, salvation comes by f uh, grace through faith alone, but the sanctification process we work out by obeying and following the commands of the Lord, and this is one of the huge ones. Um, and so uh, we've seen demons cast out, bodies healed, people filled with the Holy Spirit, just totally set free. And so if you've never been baptized with that understanding, we will invite you to come. Even if you've been baptized 100 times, whatever, doesn't matter. Get in the water. It'll be amazing. Um, if you've backslidden, come back to Christ, and you're like, man, I want to, you know, I want to make that, uh, again, I would say, come on, do it. It hurts nothing. I was just baptized again. Me and Caleb, Sarah was. She went down to the North Georgia Rive, too. We just, man, God's meeting people in the water. I just want to be where God's at. But anyway, um, so we'll have that, and then that'll also be fellowship uh, Sunday. We'll do something real light and easy um, that Sunday since, since we'll be baptizing. Um, and then, obviously, we'll be here Tuesday night and Wednesday night and Sunday. So I'd uh, love to have you here for that. I think that's pretty much, pretty much it. So um, I'm going to share this prophetically, and then we'll probably pray. And then, Caleb, you can just come up and help me. This will be real quick. Um, I'm just trying to follow the Holy Spirit. Is that all right? This Caleb can play if he wants, unless you want prayer. Okay. Go that. Just like some pads. Like, oh, you got it. He's got it. These guys are on it. You want to hit that? You can hit the lights, too, actually. Thanks. Um, so are we okay? I know I yelled at some of you and I preached the gospel and the evangelist came out and that's okay. But, uh, aren't you glad for the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ? And Hey, you know, we have a duty to, by the way, that's the gospel that you have a duty to, to share with people, by the way, not just, Hey, God loves you. Why don't you come to church with me? Um, Paul says in acts, uh, I just read it because <laughs> the Holy ghost tricked me. Uh, but Paul says um, that, well, he led me. I shouldn't say he tricked me. He led me because he's so gracious. Paul said, um, I am cleansed from the blood on my hands because I've preached to you the full counsel of God. Think about that. I'm cleansed. So I get to say today, <laughs> I felt the Lord on that. I'm cleansed. I don't have... Your blood is no longer on my hands because you've, you've received the full counsel of God. But also think about the person you run into and God connects you with this week and gives you an open ear. If somebody comes to you and tells you everything that's ever they've ever done and happened in your life, that's the Holy Spirit. Share with them the full counsel of God. Don't just say, well, God loves you. Let me pray for you. Everything will be okay. Let them know that if they don't have faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ, that they will spend eternity in the lake of fire. But if they come into this glorious gospel, they'll spend eternity in bliss. That's the full counsel of God. That, hey, they actually, we're all wicked outside of Christ. That's the full counsel. So anyway, is that good? Good. So, um... I had a vision during worship, and I actually saw this. Uh, now we can get prophetic and real swirly. So uh, <laughs> I saw this eagle um, actually in flight, a pie in flight, and instantly the Holy Spirit brought to remembrance, which I've told you guys often, that if you hear Scripture come up in your spirit, that's the Holy Spirit. Um, it was really interesting. We were talking with... Um, Actually, Tim Price's daughter, I was talking to her, and she was like, I don't hear God. And we were talking, 
and and the Holy Spirit dropped John three sixteen in my heart. I was telling her, I was like, well, you know, the Holy Spirit brings to remember scripture. And so if a random scripture ever just pops in your heart, in your mind, you know, with the proper application, like that's the Holy Spirit. He's bringing to remembrance. And I said, just like, you know, say like John 3, 6, for God so love. And I said it and she goes, oh my God, that just was in my mind. How did you know that? And like the Holy Spirit had literally done it and then gave me the same scripture that was in her heart. Just say, see, you do hear God, like, you know. Uh, but anyway, so immediately, immediately uh, the scripture, those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength and lift up and soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary, right? Or they will walk and not grow weary. They will run and not grow faint. And I just, I feel it in the house and, and it makes sense. I feel some of you are very weary, you know, um, and maybe rightly so. 2020 was a test, but not really though, because the Bible is the Bible. And so, I mean, it maybe it was a test and, you know, God has grace and mercy, but like, no, the Bible says that we will not grow weary and we will not faint. So here's this faith moment, you know, to believe what God's saying. And But I saw like eagles soaring. And, you know, the cool thing about eagles, the Lord started um, downloading to me is, you know, they're way up high and their perspective is so different. You know, they can see the full picture. And so often in life, one of the reasons we're weary and tired is because we're only believing what we're seeing. And it kind of comes on us, you know. But when we, who I feel the Holy Spirit, when we lift up, man, we see rightly. We, we, we get that God view. If you're ever in a dream and you go up real high and you see that over, you're actually seeing like God sees. You're seeing the full picture. God's showing you his perspective. And that's that eagle perspective. You know, you see the full picture and you just catch the wind of the Holy Spirit and you just soar. And what were obstacles? You just whoo, right, right over them. Whoop, yep. Oh, I see the, the devil down there and all the serpents on the ground. Listen, snakes crawl on the ground. They're not flying in the air. Far above them. Can't touch this. You know, they're eating dust. You're way high. Those who wait upon the Lord, wait upon the Lord. What is waiting upon the Lord? Well, it's sitting with God. It's having trust in his plan and his way, everything we just talked about, and it's being still with God. It's getting alone with God, making time for God, and sitting with him and being with him making him the top priority to wait on God, to know God, to experience God, to be with him. First Samuel 2.12 says, The sons of Eli were worthless men because they knew not the Lord. They were worthless men because they knew not the Lord. In Matthew chapter 25, there's 10 virgins, five wise, five foolish. The five wise have oil in their lamps. They all have lamps. They're all believers. They all had at one, at one point put faith in Jesus. The five foolish and the five wise. But the distinction that the Lord makes when he comes is that he never knew them. 
And he says to the five foolish, depart from me. I never knew you. You workers of lawlessness, meaning you did whatever you, 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 you did things your way. You didn't wait on me. You didn't, you didn't trust. You didn't put your hope in what I say and what I've set out to tell you to do. And then in Matthew chapter 7, there's false prophets, you see. And in the last days, it says the Lord returns and they say, Lord, do we not cast out devils in your name? Do we not heal the sick in your name? Do we not do many mighty exploits in your name? Meaning these guys were tongue-talking, spirit-filled, fiery folk. You know, preachers, really. Many mighty exploits. They had, it means they led many to Jesus. You know, and he says the scariest words in all of eternity. Depart from me, I never knew you. This word new is the word genosko. In Greek, it's genosko. It's the same word used when the Holy Spirit impregnates Mary, and it says of her that she was a virgin and she never knew a man. It means there was never any intimate oneness, union, she never, he, that a man had never entered into her and remained in union and love and experience in that way. And the Lord is saying that our worth in this life and in the end, actually, in the test, in the end, when the Lord comes and says, will I find faith in the earth? What is he saying? Will I find people that believe I am who I say I am? That I, I'll do what I said I do and that my way is the right way. That's what he's looking for. And he's looking for those who know him, who experience him in intimate ways. That was that intimacy that came in right at the beginning of service. We're just weeping. The bridal union with the Lord, you know, oneness with him. And how do we do this? Well, the Bible's so good that it it interprets itself, it, it instructs itself, and it builds off of itself, and it says this in Psalms 46.10. It says, be still and know God. Be still and know God. I want to encourage each one of you, listen, I want to remind you, those that wait upon the Lord, they'll lift up. And they'll, re they'll renew their strength and they'll soar on wings like eagles. If you're running and growing weary right now, if you're feeling weary, it's a good indication that you've not been with him, that you're not knowing him, that you're lacking in intimacy with him. It's a good indicator that you've gotten off of that. Get alone with him. The Bible says this, and some people say, well, I thought God dwells in light. He dwells in light within heaven, and there's no darkness. But let me tell you, you'll often find God hidden in darkness alone on the earth. Moses ascended the hill and said, look, the Lord is shrouded in darkness. But you better believe when he got in there, the glory was there because he, he comes out and his face is shining in the glory. But on this earth, often, you'll need to tuck away. Get alone. That's why he says, go in your closet and shut the door. Get in the darkness 
No distractions. We are in the most distracted generation ever. Kind of makes sense why the Bible says that this generation will fall under a strong spirit of delusion because we're so distracted. Shut out the, man, I see it's even getting foggy in here right now. Uh, The glory of the Lord is starting to fill the house right now. Just cut out. It's not worth it. He's worth it. Everything comes from his presence in this place. Like, I am the vine, abide in me, and you'll bear much fruit. Everything is from here, and this is everything that you're looking for. Everything flows from here effortlessly. Effortlessly. Man, it's from this place marriages are healed. Man. Paul said, I count all as trash compared to knowing him. That's, that, that lets me know real quick, real quick, that if something tries to creep in and keep me, man, it's getting even foggier, keep me from knowing him, from experiencing him, it's trash, man. It lets me know where that thing has place in my heart. If it tries to pull me from him, if it tries to take me from him, if it tries to keep me from him, how do I treat it? Nope. You're trash compared to this. Nope. Mm -mm, mm -mm. And you're like, well, what about loving people? Well, (laughs) how do you love someone without knowing love himself? You're loving them with carnal love. And if we're honest, even those acts of love that we would call love, we give gifts and we do things and we buy things for people. It's really to try to get something in return. And that's really not love anyway. Well, I wanted them to like me, so I bought them this gift. I, you know, That's not love. Love is selfless. No greater love than this to lay down one's life for his friends. Come, Holy Spirit. (laughs) There's gold all over my hand. Look at that. (laughs) Wow, look, it's increasing. You see it in the oil? Oh, my gosh. There's more. God's confirming his word with himself. on his hand. (laughs) (laughs) Just love him. He's so worthy of it. really believe that this is the first and greatest commandment. Love him. 
God, I ask now that you would flood this house and flood your temples now with first love, God. First love, God. God, remove idols from your house, God. Remove idols from your house, God. First love. I pray that the revelation of this would not be based on words alone, but by your spirit, God, right now. The spirit of wisdom and revelation of first love right now. greatest treasure, Lord, to know you, to know you, Lord, to know you, the greatest treasure. Jesus, 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 the greatest treasure, the greatest treasure to know you, to know you, Lord, to know you, to know you, Jesus. will count everything else as trash. Everything else as trash. Second place. Second place. Everything else, every relationship, every responsibility trash compared to knowing you, Jesus. I, I, pr- I think, I feel like some of you are even, you're searching and you're saying, I don't even know how I can make time. I, I, pr- I even see in a calendar right now and the Lord's saying, just cut it out. If you've got time to binge watch, you've got time for me. You've got time for me. I'll ma- I am the master of time. Can I not make more time for you? Did I not stop the day for Joshua to win a battle? Will I not stop time for you to be with me? Some of you are saying, I can't get to sleep and wake up in the morning. God, I bind that lie because your, your word says he gives sweet sleep to the righteous. He gives sweet sleep to the righteous. Come, Lord. Come, Lord. <laughs> don't you, if God's greatest command is for you to love him, Don't you think he would put forth the greatest effort to remove every obstacle that keeps you from that? He'll do it. Bridegroom King. (laughs) 
fill with joy, God. Return to us the joy of our salvation. Thank you for joining us on Encounter Podcast. We pray it has been a blessing to you. We would be honored if you would prayerfully consider supporting this ministry by becoming a monthly partner or sowing a one-time offering helping us bring the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ our Lord to the lost and the continued training and equipping of his bride, the church. For more information on how to become a partner or make a donation, please go to Encounter1078.com and click on the donate button. Thank you, and may the mercy and grace of the Lord Jesus be upon you.